Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. So, Em, people always ask me what my favorite Shakespeare play is, and I have this standard dodge. I always say it's whichever one I'm working on at the moment. Yes. I mean, it's pretty much impossible to pick one. Winter's Tale brings me to tears. Hamlet turns me into a philosopher. Much Ado is like my favorite romantic comedy. I mean, it's hard to pick. It is. So at the Old Globe, we're starting to work on the shows that are going to be part of our summer Shakespeare Festival next year. And the one we're preparing for at the moment is Twelfth Night. So good. I've directed Twelfth Night before, and it is definitely up there for me. I've directed it, too. And it may be my favorite anyway. It's just a perfect play. It has everything that makes Shakespeare Shakespeare. Gorgeous poetry, romance, crazy characters, fantastic story. Twins, a sword fight, cross-dressing. As I am woman, now alas the day, what thriftless sighs shall poor Olivia breathe? Oh, time! Thou must untangle this, not I. It is too hard a knot for me to untie. So, M. Twelfth Night is also on my mind for a whole other reason. That's the Shakespeare play that was in rehearsal when you came to work at the Old Globe for the first time, which is when you and I met. Yeah, in 2015. We just heard a little piece of that production. Rutina Wesley was spectacular as Viola. Yes, we met when I was in my early 20s, and I just finished a classical directing fellowship. We spent an enormous amount of time talking about Shakespeare. So when I was looking for someone to join me on this podcast expedition in search of Shakespeare, you were absolutely the only choice. Thanks, Barry. I mean, it's been so fun to be your co-pilot as I pop in and out of TV directing gigs, which remind me a lot of Elizabethan England, but we can get to that another time. (laughs) Yes, so speaking of our friend William, what I didn't know at the time 
and what I've learned since is that there really is a unique and deeply personal dimension to your relationship with Shakespeare. And you've been so generous in talking about it and sharing it with me, and I'm really grateful to you for that. Well, Shakespeare's been really central to my life in terms of how I think about gender. Kind of like in that clip from Twelfth Night we just heard, Viola calls her gender too hard a knot for me to untie. You know, I saw this tweet that says, your gender isn't assigned at birth, it's assigned by your English teacher when your class does a Shakespeare play. It's a great tweet. We should use it as the subtitle for this week's episode. Because what I'd love to talk about this week is what is this guy from England 400 years ago doing in the middle of our contemporary conversation about gender? And Em, I'm so grateful that you're willing to take the lead on this. Thanks, Barry. You know, I've worked in a lot of different places with a lot of different people on Shakespeare. And to me, there's always this question in his work about where gender lives in his characters and how it can be examined and toyed with in his plays. Dear lad, believe it, for they shall yet belie thy happy years that say thou art a man. Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, and all assemblative a woman's part. <laughs> I'm Barry Edelstein. And I'm M. Weinstein. And this is Where There's a Will, Finding Shakespeare, from the Old Globe and Pushkin Industries. Our show discovers Shakespeare in all sorts of unexpected places and asks what he's doing there and what his presence means about him and about us. So the first time I acted in a Shakespeare play, I got cast as a boy, and it was a little taste of gender euphoria. It turns out I wasn't alone in this. I spoke to someone who also had a major discovery in a Shakespeare play. She's an expert on about a zillion subjects. If you've heard the name Amy Schneider, it's probably because you're a Jeopardy fan. From Oakland, California, Amy Schneider. Amy recently had the longest Jeopardy winning streak of all time. I remember. What an amazing achievement. Well, I wanted to talk to Amy because I saw this article about how playing the role of Francis Flute in Shakespeare's play A Midsummer Night's Dream helped her realize who she really was. Oh, Em, can I just remind our listeners about Flute? So there's a play within a play in A Midsummer Night's Dream, and throughout the show, we watch this group of amateur actors rehearse it and perform it. Francis Flute is a bellows mender. His job is to tend to the tools that keep a fire going in a, in a factory or a shop. And there's this female character in the play that the men are working on, and Flute gets assigned to play it. Yes, and Amy was cast to play Francis Flute in a community theater production in the Bay Area. And so I decided at the beginning, you know, you're going through deciding your character motivation, which is another great thing about Shakespeare, which is that there's so much ambiguity that there's a lot of different ways you can play even a small character. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to try to play it as this dude's really kind of stoked about dressing up as a woman. And, you know, that's a more interesting choice was the reason I gave myself for why I wanted to do it that way. But clearly in retrospect, like, it was giving me an excuse to enjoy it. Flute initially says he doesn't want to play the girl. And there's all of this discussion about what his voice is going to sound like and what he's going to do about his beard, which he may or may not really have. But then when the play is performed, Flute delivers a really beautiful monologue that transcends the comedy. He ends up embodying this woman with grace and depth and in front of all of us, this man who was terrified of not being manly enough 
has now embraced this different gender and found an authentic, moving voice. You know, it's fascinating because Amy was really going through something parallel at the time. She was in her early 30s and presenting to the world as male. There I am every day, like, and I can remember specifically, like, sense memories of being backstage when I'm getting into my female costume and, like, rubbing some lipstick on my cheeks for, you know, cartoonishly overdone blush and, like, putting this big wig on sideways. Like, the idea was that I loved dressing up as a woman was terrible at it, was the joke. And it just felt so good. And then I'm driving home one day and... I just said, huh, I wonder if I could just, like, wear a dress anytime. <laughs> and I imagined myself doing that and then introducing myself to somebody as the name I randomly picked at the time was Jenny. I was like, what if I said, hi, I'm Jenny? And my I went, whoa. I kept driving somehow, but it's, like, really one of the most shocking moments of my life that suddenly... It was like those things in the movies where somebody just like gasps and then there's this like montage of flashbacks to how all the clues fit together now. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the things I was thinking about it is like this role that was so powerful and, and, and empowering in my life is also a cruel trans joke. The ones that I'd been growing up with all my life about, ooh, he's dressed up like a girl, like da 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 da, you know? That's the thing about Shakespeare is that, like, the Taming of the Shrew is pretty misogynist and, like, all these other things. Like, there's all this stuff, but at the same time, there's so much truth in it and so much power that everybody can find the parts of it that work for them and then try and tune out the rest. Wow, Em, that double view of Francis Flute is so great. I've seen productions where it's just a straight-ahead joke that he's in a dress. And Amy's right, the comedy is rooted in a kind of cruelty. There's a definite cruelty there, but I've always seen it as having the potential to be more complex. Flute is afraid of being seen as womanish in front of all these other guys, but there's also this unexpected reversal. Unlike other popular media in which we laugh at men in dresses, Flute has the ability to make us cry. Maybe playing the woman is exactly what he needed. Maybe he needed to locate that truth inside himself even if he isn't trans and he never puts on a dress again. That's such a great reading of the play. I'd love to see a production that does that. Well, I will say, you know, a lot of this interpretation is coming from me as a trans person desperately looking for representation. Amy and I talked about this very thing. It's such a beautiful idea that there's as much power in us finding meaning in other people's stories as there is in the artist's initial intention. And I think... That's something that gives me a lot of power because there is so little representation of us out there, and yet we have to see ourselves. It's a human thing, especially in art. Yeah, playing someone who's playing a woman was different than playing a woman, you know, and it was something that I guess I could access more easily. I, th I think that makes sense. And I think, as we talked about, the fact that our reading of Francis Flute as really, like, discovering themselves within the role and really getting into it and really having a moment, that was an image of being a trans woman that I had never had before. Somehow in my mind it was, you are born as a baby and you know you're a trans woman and then like society fights you and then eventually like you move out of your home and you, you get to do it. And that wasn't me. But being a trans woman means being a boy for a while and then being a trans woman. And that's what that gave me. I love how Amy thinks about this. Francis Flute's journey to embodying womanhood is messy and contradictory and even looks like toxic masculinity for a while. 
Even though I felt like a boy my entire life, it took many decades for me to accept myself as trans, in part because I had no stories, no plays, no movies, no role models. How exciting is it then that Shakespeare can stand in for us in this way, to hold as it were a mirror up to nature, as Hamlet puts it? How exciting that he can give brilliant people like Amy Schneider a home. We'll be back after a break. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. So, M. I know a little bit about your Shakespeare and gender story. And, you know, I think it's kind of cool that it centers on the same play that Amy's story does, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, and also centers on Star Wars. Not a play by Shakespeare, but I'm with you. <laughs> From the time I can remember, I always saw myself as a boy. And I was obsessed with Han Solo and desperately wanted to wear boys' clothes and be seen as a little boy. Um, and luckily, I, I was allowed to dress however I wanted. And because of that, I was constantly mistaken for a little boy. 
And people, various people from my mother to my friends to my teachers and classmates would always correct the person. That's not a boy, that's a girl. And I knew that inside of that, there was a truth that was complicated. I was kind of a boy and I was kind of a girl and I was kind of someone else entirely. And then I got to Shakespeare camp. I first played the moon in Midsummer Night's Dream, but I was livid because I thought I deserved a bigger part. It was the first time in my life I heard the phrase, there are no small parts, only small actors. Oh yeah, that's like the consolation prize for the actor who gets the small part. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are really small parts, but not to toot my own horn. Toot! But I kind of stole the show as the moon. And then the next summer when I came back to Shakespeare camp, they cast me as bottom, the great comic character in Midsummer Night's Dream, and God, I have never been happier. Suddenly, here I am, this little rambunctious, outlandish, too big for my britches theater kid, and I get to play that very part. Actually, I found a home video of the performance recently. I rehearsed the death scene over and over again, stabbing myself in every part of my body with this cardboard sword, you know, evoking bottoms, hammy, elaborate, over-the-top death. Now that is quite a performance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was hooked. You know, I had a Shakespeare-themed birthday party when I was 11 where I invited all of my friends who were all girls to come over and rehearse Shakespeare plays with me. Uh, I played the male lead in all the scenes, obviously. And then the next morning when the mothers came to pick them up from the birthday slumber party, we did a performance. I directed and starred in most of it, but more than anything, I really wanted my friends to experience and fall in love with Shakespeare as much as I had, to feel themselves in it like I did. Got the bug at age 11. That's on the early end, in my experience. For me, it wasn't until I was a teenager. Teenagerdom is where it got real for me, too. I have this strong memory of seeing this amazing production of As You Like It when I was 16 years old. It blew my mind. Oh, Em, can I just jump in there? I I just want to remind everybody about the play. You bet. So As You Like It is the play about Rosalind. She falls in love with this handsome young man named Orlando, but her wicked uncle, who's in charge, forbids them being together. So Rosalind disguises herself as a boy, and she runs away to the famous Forest of Arden out in the countryside. She finds Orlando there, but he can't see through her disguise. So Rosalind then decides to do a double disguise. This girl dressed as a boy then dresses as a girl. It's one of the plays where Shakespeare is consciously playing with gender, looking at the whole idea like through a kaleidoscope. Exactly. Which reminds me of this amazing production of As You Like It that blew my world open. It it felt sexy and dangerous and punk rock. I don't know how to describe it. It felt queer, I guess. It felt like me. And then I learned that Shakespeare wrote over half of his sonnets, his, his famous love poems, to a boy. We know so little about Shakespeare other than the fact that he was able to speak from so many different genders and sexualities and identities and perspectives. No wonder actors of almost any cultural or personal background seem to be able to find themselves in these plays. Actors make intimate connections with Shakespeare. More intimate, um, I think, than scholars or readers or certainly audience members do. I've found that the insights actors bring to these plays are the deepest and richest of all. Me too. And there's one more actor I wanted to talk to about gender and trans identity in Shakespeare. 
Skylar Cooper is a professional Shakespeare actor. This was a huge career shift after he started out in the military and then made a whole new life for himself in the tech industry. It's hard enough to break into the theater, but to do it as a black trans man is even harder. Skylar is passionate about changing that. I started out in this world, like into this game that I had to play. And I had to figure out early on what rules did I need to change so that I could exist. Schuyler has thought deeply about how Shakespeare has impacted his life, particularly the character Othello. Othello is one of Shakespeare's great tragedies. Barry, I'll uh, start the recap on this play for us. Please. So Othello is a general in the Venetian army. He's an extraordinary military man, a genius really, and a hero a thousand times over. He's also a Moor, a dark-skinned black man, and as such, an outsider in white Venice. He falls in love with Desdemona, the strong and powerful daughter of a senator who doesn't want Othello to marry his daughter. Uh, and the two of them elope and run off to Cyprus to a Venetian military garrison. And there's this other soldier in the play, Iago. He is one of the giant villains in all of Shakespeare. He's angry that he's been passed over for a promotion by Othello, and he vows to get revenge. Iago tries to take Othello down, and he does so by suggesting that Desdemona, Othello's wife, has been cheating on him. Othello gets taken in by the lie. It eats him alive. He kills Desdemona and then himself in what is the most painful type of tragedy, in my opinion, one as common as it is disgustingly avoidable. I saw a black man who was trying to belong in a yeah. way that I have tried to belong my entire life. So I understood what Othello was going through. Towards the end, he says, she loved me for the dangers I had passed. And I loved her that she did pity them. That's a very key line. And that has always been the thing that I had to think about when I performed Othello. She loved me for the dangers I had passed. What does that mean to someone when you, when you say that? They love me because of the things that I had gotten over, I had gone through. They appreciated me, they saw me, they saw me. In a context where Schuyler couldn't find images of himself anywhere else, he found them in Shakespeare. Go in and be the change. Right? Be yes. the change and be, you know what I'm saying? Like, bring yourself into the world. And Shakespeare was that entry. It was that doorway. You know, it allowed anyone to come in, whether you're Black, whether you're queer, whether you're trans, straight, cis, Asian, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it allows you to find your human condition, your human self, your humanity. That's it Shakespeare. It's humanity. We'll be right back. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before Nerd Wallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. I'm so grateful to you, Em, and to Amy and Skylar, too, for sharing your stories, especially at this moment when trans people are so vulnerable and trans rights are under attack in so many places. And you've all made me understand something new about Shakespeare. So I'd like to run a thought past you. Sure. One of the things I know about Shakespeare, M, is that as a dramatist, he's addicted to binaries. The Merchant of Venice, Jew versus Christian. Henry V, England versus France. Romeo and Juliet, Montague versus Capulet. Antony and Cleopatra, Rome versus Egypt, and on and on and on. It's just binaries everywhere. But here's the thing. Shakespeare's practice is to collapse these binaries, to expose them. Sometimes he likes to show the way that binaries are restrictive, even false. And gender is the ultimate false binary, isn't it? It's the one we're taught to believe in since birth, like so many of these others. And Shakespeare's characters are always fighting against his false binaries. But then, in the comedies, there are these big weddings at the end that feel like they're restoring what the characters have worked the whole play to undo. It's a part of As You Like It that always tortured me. After Rosalind has found this profound liberation and fallen in love and broken gender binaries and worn a shepherd's outfit, then she has to put on what she calls her women's weeds, her female nobleman attire, and get married. Even in the production that changed my life as a kid, I really winced at this moment. It felt like all of the freedom of the play suddenly got stripped away. The binaries were reinforced. But then again, Em, speaking of Rosalind, she's girl-boy-girl in the play. But remember, on Shakespeare's stage, she would have been played by a boy actor. So really, it's boy-girl-boy-girl. And it occurs to me, Em, that maybe this kind of 
double helix of gender wrapped around gender? And maybe that's the central metaphor on the subject in all of Shakespeare. Oh, completely. It's this weird and wonderful spectrum. It's totally confusing. And more than anything, it's fun and it's entertaining and it's sexy. And what's more important than that? Which brings us to the very end of As You Like It, in which, in the final moment, Shakespeare asks us to consider the boy-girl, boy-girl helix. And in an ultimate intellectual pirouette, he reminds us that gender is nothing but a mercurial game of who wants to kiss who when. Ah, I love that speech. Rosalind gets the last word. Yes, it's so fun and meta. Is this actor a man or a woman? Who wants to kiss them? Maybe everyone. It's a full of sexual innuendo and dirty jokes and a whole lot of possibility. I would kind of love to hear that speech, Em. Think there's any chance I might ask you to read it? Well, you heard my very good bottom performance, so I'm not surprised you're asking me to return to the stage, Barry. Uh, but uh, for you, I will. Thank um, you. And as you listen, I want you to pay attention to the word if. What if we saw gender, not as a binary, but as one big if? Uh, I'm going to skip the beginning of this and go straight into the magic part. I mean, literally magic, because our boy, girl, boy, girl, Rosalind ends the show with a sort of spell. My way is to conjure you, and I'll begin with the women. I charge you, O women, for the love you bear to men, to like as much of this play as please you. And I charge you, O men, for the love you bear to women, as I perceive by your simpering, none of you hates them, that between you and the women, the play may please. If I were a woman... I would kiss as many of you as had beards that pleased me, complexions that liked me, and breaths that I defied not. And I am sure, as many as have good beards, or good faces, or sweet breaths, will, for my kind offer, when I make curtsy, bid me farewell. M, that was fantastic! Thanks! I just love that speech so much. And I really did hear that if... If I were a woman, I would kiss you. It's one of the most powerful words in Shakespeare. And it's in one of my very favorite Shakespeare lines. It's from this play, from As You Like It. Touchstone, the clown, does this long speech about the power of if. He sums up his whole approach to life by saying, and I love this, much virtue in if. Oh, yeah. He's saying that if has good in it. It's a little word that's great and powerful. It's a word that sets imagination in motion. I wonder what would happen if. If is the dreamer's word. If is how we propose that things don't need to be forever the way they've always been. If is the prompt toward progress and growth. Wouldn't it be great if? That's really what we're talking about here, Barry. I mean... It's what we've seen throughout where there's a will. Shakespeare can open a door to transformation and change. Maybe that can inform how we think about gender. What if we could understand gender the way Rosalind does? What if it's not this socially constructed, restrictive, rigid thing, but what if it's a joyful, open, playful, fluid way of being who we truly are? Much virtue in if. Much virtue in if.
Where There's a Will, Finding Shakespeare is written and hosted by me, Barry Edelstein. My co-host is M. Weinstein. Our show is produced by Buffy Gorilla and Nisha Venkut, with assistant producers Jennifer Sanchez and Salman Ahad Khan. Our executive producers are Catherine Girardot from Pushkin and Alex Lewis and John Myers from Rohome Productions. Our editor is Audrey Dilling. Our mix engineer is Justin Berger. Our theme is an original composition by Hannes Brown. Samia Bouzid is our fact checker. Vicky Merrick is our voice coach. Our show was recorded at Bill Corkery Productions, Leopard Studio, and The Old Globe. Where There's a Will is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and The Old Globe. Our executive team includes Jacob Weisberg, Malcolm Gladwell, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Carrie Brody, Carly Migliori, Christina Sullivan, Jason Gambrell, Lital Molad, Greta Cohn, and Mia Lobel. Our marketing team includes Eric Sandler, Maggie Taylor, Morgan Ratner, Nicole Morano, Mary Beth Smith, Jordan McMillan, Isabella Narvaez, and Sean Carney. We couldn't make the show without operations and licensing support from Nicole Optenbosch, Maya Koenig, Daniela Lacan, and Jake Flanagan. Our development team is Lital Molad and Justine Lang. Barry Edelstein, that's me, is Erna Fincy Viterbi Artistic Director, and Timothy J. Shields is Audrey S. Geisel Managing Director of The Old Globe. For The Globe, thanks to sound director Paul Peterson and assistant to the sound director Evan Eason, director of marketing and communications Dave Henson, assistant to the artistic and managing directors Carolyn Budd. The Theodore and Audrey Geisel Fund provides leadership support for The Old Globe's year-round activities. To learn more about the Tony Award-winning The Old Globe, one of America's leading regional theater companies, visit theoldglobe.org. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $4.99 a month. Find the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.